You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Podcast and Post Game Show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Activate your free Assembly Call membership today at assemblycall.com slash join. That's assemblycall.com slash join. That is how you're a champion. It really is. And now, get ready for another brand new edition of the Assembly Call. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call. As tonight, your Indiana Hoosiers dominate the Austin P. Governors 97 to 62, as we all expected. It was a game that started out a little bit more sluggish, maybe, than uh, than Indiana fans and, and Tom Crean probably would have liked, but not all that unexpected given the timing, uh, given you know kind of how subdued the arena was, given the opponent. Uh, but once Indiana settled in, had a terrific shooting night. Uh, picked up the defense and got a nice, solid win against Austin P, which we will break down for you here on tonight's episode of the Assembly Call, a very merry pre-Christmas episode of the Assembly Call. I am your host, Jared Morris. I will be joined tonight by Andy Bottoms. Ryan Phillips has the night off. He's visiting his family. So if Andy and I talk as much as we normally do, we should be out of here in about eight minutes. So uh, should be uh, should be good. Uh, I look for I look forward to it. <laughs> yeah, no, no one to interrupt you, Andy, while you're making while you're making points tonight. Um, no, we we miss Ryan. We always his analysis is great, and uh, we look forward to him being back with us uh, here on a show very soon. Uh, but let's begin tonight's show as we always do with our banner moment. And for tonight's banner moment, uh, to your surprise and shock, it is not going to be the moment where Tom Crean pulled out a flashcard with clip art on it to remind Josh Josh Newkirk not to hop. Although we will get to that in a second. Uh, but tonight's banner moment, uh, back in the first half, look, this is a game that obviously Indiana won with some terrific three-point shooting, and it's been nice to see these last two games, Indiana get back to being really prolific, really highly efficient from three-point range after struggling against Butler, and you know, obviously part of that's being at Banker's Life Fieldhouse and playing a much better defensive team, but still, we've seen Indiana this year not quite be up to par from the last couple of seasons shooting threes and so it's been nice to be reminded these last couple of games that this team this team still can be very good from three-point range and there was a sequence in the first half uh right around the middle part of the first half where three straight possessions uh one possession thomas bryant drained a three uh from the right wing then on the next possession down james blackman jr drained a three and then on the next possession after that uh, Thomas Bryant got the ball, was open for a three, could have taken it, and, sh- and and clearly was feeling good about himself after making it two possessions prior. But because he had made that one, he really drew the defense and was able to kick it out to James Blackman Jr., who was wide open for three and knocked it down. And it was a good reminder of two things. Number one, as I kind of alluded to already, seeing Indiana be prolific from three-point range is good because, you know, this team has been in the 50s, 60s so far this year shooting threes, and that's really good. But Indiana has been elite shooting threes the last couple of years, and it just adds another dimension to the offense. And so it was nice to see that. And perhaps these last two games are a harbinger of better shooting to come. But what I really thought it illustrated was just how much of an extra element having a guy like Thomas Bryant gives this offense because you saw him get the ball. Austin P immediately collapsed onto him, and you don't often see that when your 6'11 center gets the ball, and then it leaves James Blackman Jr., who we know is a great three-point shooter, wide open. And so 
you know, again, hopefully a harbinger of good things to come three point shooting wise. And I think just a good reminder of the many, many elements that this offense has that having a guy as versatile as Thomas Bryant gives you. Uh, so that is tonight's Hoosier Proud banner moment. And of course, as always, our banner moment brought to us by our friends at Hoosier Proud an Indiana based brand by Hoosiers for Hoosiers. And Connor and the team at Hoosier Proud, they offer a line of T-shirts and accessories that are unmatched for anyone who wants a unique, stylish way to display their own pride in being a Hoosier. Check them out at HoosierProud.com. They have tons of really great designs. Uh, and when you go there, use the promo code ASSEMBLY, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y, to receive a 15% discount on your entire order. That's promo code ASSEMBLY to receive 15% off at HoosierProud.com. All right, well, just like Thomas Bryant did, let's make the extra pass, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team, which tonight is just one man. And we will go to him now, the world's number one ranked bracketologist, Andy Bottoms. What is your bottoms line brought to us by Bracketology.fm? Hey, by the way, did you see that Bracketology is now an official word? I, I did. I did. It's, a, it's, it's an exciting time for all of us. <laughs> yes, what, a, what a great day to be alive. Um, anyway, so... <laughs> I mean, for me, for me, I think we would be remiss not to really uh, give a lot of credit to Josh Newkirk for his game today. He's certainly been uh, the the object of a lot of scrutiny lately on how much he should play. Um, you know, if he's really the right guy to try to fill the point guard role. And tonight he was. Whether that means great things to come for him or not, I don't know. But I thought tonight, um, at least, you know, he certainly had some solid defensive performances. But at least on the offensive end, thought he did a really nice job of balancing. Uh, you know, being aggressive, playing fast, but not being out of control. And so he had he had eight assists in the first half uh, and no turnovers, which I think is uh, as meaningful as anything, especially with that matchup against Louisville looming. Um, ended the game with 11 points, 11 assists, just two turnovers in 26 minutes, was plus 32 uh, overall. And I thought did a really nice job of getting into the lane, penetrating. Uh, IU did a good job of, you know, really being able to probe the zone. Uh, either by passes in there or drives, and I thought he did it. He was, you know, one of the guys obviously at the forefront of that. You don't get 11 assists if you're not uh, doing a good job in that regard. But uh, I just thought he he really played under control and then got his offense going a little bit in the second half. Made a couple shots going toward the basket, um, but you know pulled up and, and took makeable shots as opposed to some of the more wild and out of control ones that we had seen before. So I think he he deserves a lot of credit with um, certainly a lot of eyes on him, a lot of questions about uh, what he's really going to be able to bring to this team. Uh, you know, Crean went out, started him again, and he uh, he rewarded him with a really solid game. Uh, you know, we can we can talk about competition and things like that. But we've certainly seen him in other games against lesser competition uh, not be as under control uh, and in control as he was tonight. So uh, a big uh, tip of the hat to him. Yeah, we'll talk about him some more later. I mean, this was this was a great performance, and, and Josh has done exactly what you know, what you would have wanted to see him do after that Butler game where he really struggled, but he's come back these last couple games played much better. And obviously we've kind of had this ongoing dialogue about roles and, you know, who should be the point guard and should Robert Johnson be handling the ball more? Well, you know, Josh Newkirk certainly put up a great argument today for, for being in that position more. And if he becomes a guy that Tom Crean can trust because he is going to add that extra, because look, he can get into the lane. And he's got a real skill for being able to penetrate, get into the lane. And if he can do that while not forcing shots and finding opportunities for his teammates and not turning it over, he can be a huge, huge asset. So I think that's, you know, that that's a big takeaway to come out of tonight. And look, Austin P is one of the worst teams in college basketball this year. They're, you know, 300 and something not good on offense, not good on defense. So you can't take too much away from it. But in a game where you're looking for guys to develop and display good habits, 
you know, Josh Newkirk was a guy who probably stood out better than anybody of showing the kind of habits that, that you really want to see a guy uh, show with Big Ten play getting ready to start. So the elephant in the room, uh, obviously, is uh, is Juwan Morgan. And we don't have, you know, any great information right now. We'll be checking Twitter as, as we go through the show to see if anything comes out. Um, but Andy, you were telling me before we started, you know, I saw, you know, just watching him on the sidelines, you know, he was standing there kind of shuffling back and forth, smiling. So, you know, it, it certainly wasn't bad enough that he was on crutches or he stayed in the locker room or anything like that. And you said you saw reports that he was actually warming up uh, for the second half as well. I, I thought I saw somebody tweet that out. I, I could be wrong. I, I think uh, if you compare, you know, what his his him rolling his ankle looked like compared to what we saw with OG that cost him to miss a couple weeks. I mean, it definitely wasn't as severe uh, a movement as that. This is where I really need Ryan since he was, you know, spot on with his diagnosis for uh, for OG, or at least that's what he would say. Um, so unfortunately, he's not here to to give us his expert medical opinion. But yeah, I mean, I think it was a case of, um, you know, Morgan. They talked about a couple games ago. Uh, having had some some leg injuries and not getting cleared till you know closer to the game, so I think you know whether it was the same leg, ankle, uh, whatever. I think it was good to be cautious with him. It wasn't any reason to have him out there uh, at that point tonight. So I'm sure we'll hear more about it. But it got almost a week before the Nebraska game at this point. So uh, it would you would like to think that the way he was standing on the sidelines, at least compared to you know again we you know OG is the the most recent ankle injury we have. I mean he couldn't stand on the sidelines to cheer anybody on or do those kinds of things, and uh, Morgan seemed able to do that. So uh, optimistic from my unprofessional uh, perspective, and, and hopefully he'll be uh, he'll be back and healthy, and that it wasn't a, a reaggravation to something that was already giving him some trouble. Yeah, we uh, so we do that radio show on Fridays now, and we had a little bit of a scheduling uh, thing this week, and so a lot of times we'll do it on Thursday night. But obviously, with you know with this game, uh, you know we couldn't do it on Thursday night, so we recorded it early, and we were all crossing our fingers that nothing crazy was going to happen in this Austin P game that was going to make us need to re-record it somehow tomorrow. So I think, and this is good news, I think. Andy, we've decided we're not going to re-record. We feel comfortable enough, you know, with this injury that it doesn't seem catastrophic to where it changes, renders everything that we said on that show uh, irrelevant. So I think that's that's perhaps as good a sign as any. Yeah, I think we'll uh, I think we'll roll the dice that he it's not too uh, too severe. Hopefully, something similar to that comes out after the game, and uh, they'll be cautious with him, get him some treatment this week, and he'll be ready to go against Nebraska. Yes. Um, so, uh, you know, a few storylines coming out of tonight. We certainly need to get to Robert Johnson, who came out, scored Indiana's first nine points, drained three threes, um, you know, slowed down a little bit in the second half, but he had 20 points, uh, seven of 14 overall from the field. He was six of 10 from downtown. And, you know, a couple of those that he missed were kind of heat check threes uh, because he, he was so hot. Four rebounds, two steals, three turnovers, and only one assist. And so, I think, it, look, it was a really good game for Robert Johnson. It's great to see him shoot like that. But, you know, on, on the other hand, we now seem further away from Robert Johnson being the guy who's kind of in control of the offense and playing point guard on a night when he scores 20 and dishes out one assist and Josh Newkirk dishes out 11. Um, so what did you think of Robert's performance? I mean, is this kind of maybe what we need to start expecting with him as more of a score and less of a facilitator? Um, and are you OK with that? You know, I think it's interesting. I, I feel like it's a lot of what we've talked about where he, he's kind of in this weird middle ground where he, he's certainly one of the better you know shooters on the team, scores on the team, but he's not necessarily going to be the first or second option in in the majority of scenarios. So if he's not the distributor, like how does he how does he figure that out? Now, tonight, the way that Austin P came out and played zone, um, there was kind of a clear path for him to 
to shots to a role in the offense and, and all those kinds of things. And he really took advantage of that early, you know, got a, got a couple to go down early uh, and really took all of them. Yeah, there were those couple of heat checks. But other than that, I mean, there was, you know, everything was really in rhythm with him. Um, and, and so continues to shoot the ball well as he's done over the course of the season. Uh, I, I don't know how much you would say the the approach that Austin P took to the game defensively uh, led to what we saw tonight and whether you know th- that is in any way then indicative of, of what he's going to be able to do later. I thought they just didn't really, you know, he was spotting up when they were playing zone um, and and he was the recipient of, of passes either from Newkirk or, you know, Thomas Bryant would flash to the top or OG um, and, and guys like that. So I don't know that tonight taught us a great deal uh, about that other than to, you know, kind of reaffirm that he's really improved his shooting and uh, is going to continue to be a threat on that end of the court. But I, I thought tonight was just a little bit a product of of the system that Austin P played against them. And I don't know that we can take a ton away from it other than that he had a really good game and that I should have predicted he would get 20 points in a game this week, not the Butler game, uh, as the case may be. But um, I, I don't think it's anything to worry about. feels like a blip at this point, but um, definitely something to watch going forward. If Newkirk continues to play like that, where does Robert Johnson really fit in the, um, you know, kind of pecking order of shots? Yeah. Well, an IU freshman really, really stuffed the stat sheet tonight and did some interesting things. And so we're going to talk about him in just a second. Uh, That's coming up on the assembly call. First, I do want to take a quick minute and tell you about our other sponsor, SeatGeek. And I'm not going to give you the standard SeatGeek ad read tonight because I I have kind of a a special way to, to bring this in. You know, we're sitting here. It's December 22nd. Uh, if you're listening to this the day after the game, it'll be December 23rd. And you may be in a position where you need a last minute Christmas gift. You need a stocking stuffer. And I was thinking about this when I was putting together our deal of the week that we send out to our subscribers uh, earlier this week. What better last minute Christmas gift or stocking stuffer is there than tickets to an IU basketball game? It could be to a home game. It could be to a road game, maybe if you don't live in Bloomington. Uh, but you know, you go to a place like SeatGeek where they make it, you know, really easy to find the tickets. You can find great prices on the tickets, and you can get it and print it out and have the ticket already in like ten minutes. Uh, and you've got a great present. You've got a great stocking stuffer. And if you're really, really smart about it, you buy at least two tickets. And you know, with kind of a wink, wink understanding that you are the person that the uh, that the gift recipient is taking to the game. So it's the gift that keeps on giving, and it's almost like a gift to yourself as well. And here's another great thing: is that because of our relationship with SeatGeek, Assembly Call listeners can actually get a twenty dollar rebate on tickets if it's your first purchase. And so the way that you do that is you download the SeatGeek app, you go to the settings tab, and you click Add a Promo Code and enter the promo code Assembly A S S E M B L Y, and SeatGeek will send you twenty dollars. After you've made your first ticket purchase. Now you can, when you get that rebate check, you can keep it for yourself. Or if you really want to be an amazing gift giver, you can give that rebate check to the person that you're giving the gift to afterwards. And it's like this great little post-Christmas gift that you can give them as well. Amazing. The, the opportunities there are just uh, are unbelievable. Uh, but go check out. there. They have tickets to every game. Uh, I, you know, I checked really good prices uh, for a lot of the games as well. Uh, so do that. If you need a last minute Christmas gift or a stocking stuffer, download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code assembly today. All right. Well, you are listening to the assembly call IU post game show. I am Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, and we are discussing Indiana's 97 to 62 victory over Austin P here in a game that is the last uh, game before Christmas, the last game before Big Ten play, the last of the cupcakes. Uh, so a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of lasts here, which is good. And then, then Indiana plays Nebraska next week before playing Louisville. Uh, Andy, I, w- I want to talk real quick about one of Indiana's freshmen. 
uh, who came out and did a lot of things tonight, some good things, some bad things. And that's Deron Davis, who has a really, really interesting stat line, four points, five assists. He was second on the team in assists. Uh, and in fact, on a night when Indiana had 22 assists, it's interesting that 16 of those assists were concentrated between Josh Newkirk and Deron Davis. Um, but I thought Deron really flashed some of his good passing skills tonight. He also had seven rebounds, three of them offensive. He had a steal and a block. But then on the negative side, he had four fouls in only 19 minutes and also turned the ball over four times. So we kind of saw a little bit of everything tonight from Duran. We saw some of the good. We saw some of the bad. You know, and I think clearly, you know, the most consistent guy for Indiana off the bench has been, you know, whether it's been Duran or uh, Juwan Morgan or, or Josh Newkirk, which one, whichever one of those guys has been the sixth man. You know, they've done a relatively decent job. And then you basically got three freshmen after that and Zach McRoberts. I think out of Davis, Jones, and Green, Duran has clearly he's been the guy who's played the most minutes, and he's been the guy who's been the most consistent with his minutes. So, given what you saw from him tonight and what we've seen from him, uh, you know, so far this season, how ready do you think he is now uh, to be, you know, kind of that that seventh guy off the or the second guy off the bench uh, and a key rotation piece when Big Ten play starts? I, I feel comfortable with him, quite honestly. I, I, you know, he came in pretty early in the game. Austin P really came out and went at Bryant uh, very early on in the game, and and he took a, an early seat. Uh, I don't know if just to settle him down. They wanted to, you know, kind of talk to him a little bit about the way they were approaching him, and and so obviously the coaching staff feels comfortable um, putting putting Davis in there. And I thought he did he did a good job, and and he showed, uh, you know, the array of skills that he has. Made some really nice passes. Uh, even was out on the floor and put the ball on the floor, drew a foul trying to get to the basket. Um, so I think you start to see some of those other parts of his game evolving. So, I, you know, he's going to make uh, some of those freshman mistakes. We've talked so much uh, in the in the non-conference about his basketball IQ and, you know, kind of fundamental uh, nature of what he does inside. And so I'm not overly worried about it. I think the fouls, um, more so than the turnovers, are something that could be a, an issue for him. Um, but I think it's, it's somewhat dependent on, you know, how much people are really going to go at him. I think if you see him come into game against, you know, somebody like Purdue where they're really going to, uh, you know, probably try to, to go at him, that becomes a bit more of a concern. Um, but I think in general, you know, more often than not, he's been a really consistent contributor. And as we've talked about, you know, a, a lot of times over the past couple of years, he's really one of the guys that you have a, a reasonable handle on what you can expect from him when he comes to the game, uh, which is what was so great about last year's team that, that you you know, had a, a series of guys that would come in off the bench that you knew what you'd get out of him. And I think he's getting to that point, um, but you're still going to see some of those freshman ups and downs, but still still liking what I see. Uh, just always seems to be around the ball, which is, uh, which is always a good thing. Yeah. Uh, just looking at some numbers, uh, curious if any numbers stand out to you. Uh, Indiana scored 1.38 points per possession, held Austin P to just 0.89 points per possession. So certainly that is good. An effective field goal percentage of 75.9% is really good. Uh, you know, the, the really the only interesting number to me is the turnover percentage, which is 22.7%. And we've seen Indiana's turnover percentage improving over the last three games. This is kind of a reversion back to where it was. And yet I don't feel quite as bad about this 22.7 because in the first half, which really were the only 20 competitive minutes of the game, Indiana's turnover percentage was better. You know, I think in the first half it was 15 or 16, something like that. Maybe it was a little bit higher, but it certainly wasn't 22. And I feel like a lot of those came in the second half. And again, you don't like to, you know, you don't like to see the bad habits in the second half, but I still feel like some of of the growth that we've seen in taking care of the ball and and making better decisions. I thought we saw that during the competitive portion of the game. 
So I still feel good about this team getting better with the turnovers. Now it needs to continue to get better as it did last year. Um, but I'm not too alarmed seeing that 22.7% number uh, tonight. Are you? No, I was kind of looking to see the timing of the turnovers. There were four in the last four minutes and three seconds. Um, okay. And so I think when it, and then there was a flurry of them within about a minute and a half span. There was three in, in about a minute and a half in the kind of middle part of the second half where the game really just kind of got ugly to watch, quite frankly. Um, and yeah. so I think it was a, a flurry there where IU uh, would have a few turnovers and Austin P would have some turnovers. And then, yeah, there was, you know, four in the last four minutes, actually five in the last five, 12. So um, I would agree with you that when the game really was uh, not even in doubt in the more kind of competitive part of the game that, that mattered more, um, that they took pretty good care of the basketball. And, and I think part of that was, you know, Austin P, you know, the the zone and really gave IU a lot of clean looks. Didn't uh, They were pretty aggressive early in terms of double team in the post. And you referenced that with, uh, you know, with Bryant earlier. Um, I thought they were really aggressive in going after those guys for some turnovers or loppy turnovers on a couple fast breaks, um, but seemed to clean that up a, a little bit until, you know, it got to be the end of the game and, and things got uh, got a little ragged. Uh, but overall, I'm not too worried. One of the other numbers that stood out to me uh, where you, you look at a game like tonight and you see, you know, 15 made three pointers and made, uh, you know, so many in the first half, 11, I believe. And uh, so you kind of assume, hey, you know, a lot of those points came from there, which obviously they did. 45 of those points came from there, but they also had 38 points in the paint. Uh, and if you do the math between that and the number of free throws, there was only one shot that IU made that wasn't a three or in the paint. Uh, and I think that was a, a Blackman uh, kind of runner uh, that didn't actually seem like a good shot, but went in. And uh, so, uh, you know, I still thought they, particularly in the second half, found a good balance between trying to get the ball inside. Austin P eventually uh, came out of the zone after I praised their stubbornness for staying in it. But... Um, <laughs> I thought I thought they did a good job of yeah they did settle they settled for some threes early then I think they got some really in the flow of the offense and then I think they did a better job uh, in the second half of really trying to attack so they kind of evolved a bit uh, even within the game on offense so I thought that was interesting to see now they gave up 32 points in the paint which is probably uh, a, a few too many for my liking against a team like this that really you know like I said tried to attack Thomas Bryant and really you know got some nice things going toward the uh, toward the hoop at various points during the game but. Uh, yeah, I thought that was an interesting stat that you wouldn't guess in a game you hit 15 threes, you'd have almost 40 points in the paint, but IU came close to uh, doing both those things. Yeah, we, speaking of Blackman, we should also probably mention you know, that he did lead Indiana in scoring with 24 points and was a blistering 9 of 12 from the field, 4 of 5 from downtown, and he even had a Steph Curry level 3 that, that he hit right after I think a foul was called, so it didn't count, but it looked beautiful. Um, and look, it's easy in a game like this to say, oh yeah, Blackman you know, 24 points, whatever. But I mean, not everybody has a guy like James Blackman Jr. that can shoot that well and be that great offensively. So while, you know, a few moments stick out in my mind uh, in the first half when he let guys kind of drive right by him, uh, it's, again, nice to see, you know, look, he's a guy who's going to have to carry Indiana offensively uh, in some games. We've already seen it, uh, uh, you know, this year. Um, maybe not throughout the entire game, but certainly in portions of games and definitely late in games. And so just to see him continue to be efficient, continue to be hot shooting the ball is good to see. Let's talk about Thomas Bryant real quick. You know, obviously people are going to look at the box score and you're going to see, you know, your potential All-American candidate, uh, you know, only taking three shots. And this is now the third out of the last four of these cupcake games where Thomas has had two or three shots. We saw him get more against Butler and get more against Delaware State. Um you know, and this to me looked like a case of, especially early, you know, Austin P was really, they were playing that zone. They were making it hard for Indiana to kind of get it inside and for Bryant to get the ball in a scoring position. 
Um, and and I, frankly, I don't think Tom Crean was very happy with how Thomas was operating in the zone early. Uh, and he took him out. And when he brought him back in, you know, he seemed to be a little bit more comfortable. And, you know, he, he was able to get one of his shots. Uh, well, the two shots that he made, the one three pointer that I mentioned earlier, and the other one was on a uh, on a fast break where he got another dunk. Uh, but other than that, we didn't really see him get to go to work much offensively. Um, but, you know, as, as our buddy Brian Tonsony uh, let us know on Twitter, Indiana did get, what was it, 20 post feeds tonight, which is better than than it's been in some games. So I'm not yeah, overly I was, concerned. I think he charted it at 11 for the last game, I want to say. So almost double yeah. even in a game. I know he counted some of the high post ones uh, against the zone, but, you know, somewhat a positive sign in that regard. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd still like to see Thomas get more involved. But again, I just don't get that worked up about it in games like these because, you know, when it when it counts in Indiana's big games, he's always gotten involved. Um, and so, you know, I, I just I feel like the way Austin P was playing and the way look, I mean, Indiana was like you said, they were finding good shots. You know, for a time, it looked like Indiana was forcing threes early. But then, I mean, they were driving and the threes just happened to be where the openings were. And, and I thought Indiana made good choices. So not overly concerned. Um, it's not great to see Thomas go three for six from the line and miss two in a row and look a little shaky there. But I mean, he's shooting 78 percent from the free throw line for the year. So, uh, you know, I'm just I'm not going to get too worked up over it. Yeah, I thought, you know, I do think he struggled a bit defensively early on, you know, playing against a little bit smaller guy. And, and yeah. like I said a minute ago, they really went right at him and, and scored a few baskets early on. And I think that in addition to what you mentioned with, you know, Green's thoughts on how he was playing the zone when they even when he would get the ball. You know, they were really quick to double team, and I think he was, you know, a, a step slow or a second slow in, in making decisions of where he wanted to go. And I think he saw that change uh, a bit there, where they were able to keep the ball moving a little bit better uh, after he came back in. So I thought it was kind of a, a slow start for him. I thought he played okay after that, and you know, to a certain extent, uh, you know, IU was doing a good job getting the ball in the lane, and they were leaving wide open threes. I think that you know leads to a game like Blackman had tonight, where it was like, you know, you, you look up and he's got twenty points. Um, but then you, you sit back and think you're like, well, if somebody's going to play defense, it's going to allow you wide open looks from the perimeter. Uh, and he's on the receiving end of those passes and he's going to score a lot of points uh, more often than not. So, you know, I thought both those guys, uh, you know, played well. Blackman certainly shot it extremely well. Nine of 12 from the field uh, did, a, did a really nice job in that regard. And I, th I just thought Brian's struggles really kind of threw him off, but he, he bounced back a little bit. But um, yeah, it's, it's somewhat hard to say that by the time he really, you know, gets back in the game and does some of those things, you know, I use up 15 20 points and I think by the time that uh you know Austin P went out of the zone finally I don't know that he played a great deal uh after that to really be able to to post too much inside so we'll have uh we'll have our chance to see you know how that looks against Nebraska I think that's a part of the game they've got to get sorted out as they go into to play against tougher competition and uh we'll uh we'll go from there yeah, I agree with you that I thought Bryant struggled defensively early. You know, there were several pick and rolls where he, you know, he seemed late recovering, uh, didn't, you know, it was like he was indecisive communicating. So he, he wasn't ready to call switch, wasn't quite ready to get back, and he was late. And frankly, there were a couple of times where Austin P just wasn't quick enough to take advantage of it. Um, and he had time to recover, but against a better team, he wouldn't have that time. Now that got better. And I can think back to one possession in particular. I think it was in the first half uh, where he and Robert Johnson defended a pick and roll beautifully. And they actually switched on it. It was great communication and they forced a shot clock violation. And that's what you want to see. Um, and look, Thomas Bryant defending a pick and roll is never going to look pretty because it's just like this whirling, flailing dervish of arms and legs that, you know, just always seem to be kind of like struggling to get to where they're going. But, you know, and, and so Thomas is never going to cover ground quickly. 
So I think what he has to do is he has to make decisions quickly so that he's taking that step a half step early. And even if it's not as quick, he's able to get there in time because he's decisive, because he's attentive. And that's, you know, Tom Crean talked about that in the pregame show. He talked about how, you know, awareness and attentiveness were the things he was really looking for tonight. And I didn't think, you know, Thomas in particular, it's not that he wasn't playing hard early, but I just he just seemed maybe like a half step slow making the reads that he needed to make. And, and I thought he made them better after Coach Crean sat him down, which was nice to see. So, you know, his defense is it's it's gotten better this year. Uh, it You know, it can ebb and flow a little bit defending that pick and roll in and out of games, but it is better. Um, and, and hopefully that can continue to progress um, as we go through the season. Uh, the other guy to talk about here real quick, Andy, is OG. Uh, clearly not as dominant as he was against Delaware State, um, but efficient. Three or four from downtown. He had five boards, you know, seven points, stealing a block. And I will say, you know, this wasn't a game where he got himself really involved offensively, but he had some subtle defensive plays that were just brilliant tonight. Um, and, you know, a, a couple in particular, and I talked about this on the halftime report. The thing that you marvel at with OG is, you know, you know, take Blackman. And, you know, we love Blackman. He does a lot of good things for this team. But when an offensive player gets a step on Blackman, Blackman, a dribbler, Blackman's not recovering. That dribbler is going right by Blackman, and you have to hope that there is help defense there. With OG, I mean, a guy gets a half step on OG or a full step on OG, and he, I think, recovers against dribble penetration better than anyone. I think. I mean, I don't want to say anyone that I've ever seen, but certainly as well as anyone I can remember watching play in an IU uniform. And it just it, it's a combination of fundamentals uh, how low he is, you know, the way that he turns his body and takes the right angle with his next step and just how long his strides are and how long his arms are as kind of a last resort if he's not able to get there with his body. And I would really urge folks, you know, if you don't watch that, I know sometimes it can be hard to pick up, but really watch OG when he's defending the ball. And especially if a guy gets that step on him because he recovers so well. And it's just it's one of the more impressive things that you'll see watching an Indiana game. And I saw I thought we saw that a couple times tonight. So it's not a game where OG's, you know, he had the one highlight dunk, uh, had the nice three pointer, not a game where he's going to jump off the stat sheet at you. But I wouldn't take this as a game where he just kind of, you know, faded into the background and didn't really do anything. I thought he did a lot of things. They just happened to not be things that show up in the stat sheet tonight. What do you think about OG? Yeah, I thought I thought he made some nice defensive plays, particularly early on. And and one of the things we talked about for this team defensively is how seldom they've really been able to force turnovers and, and things like that. So they did a lot better in that regard tonight. I think he was a, a big part of that. Ended up forcing seventeen turnovers, uh, which is probably one of the higher totals that that they've had over the course of the season. So I thought he really asserted himself there. It didn't feel like he, um, and I don't think he's ever a guy who's going to go hunt shots. Uh, too often, so I think in a game like this where he sees other guys rolling and playing well, um, he's not going to go out of his way to to step in and upset the rhythm that they have, which I think is a it, in most cases a positive thing, um, you know that you can say about him. And so I thought he just kind of took what was there. Uh, only ended up playing 22 minutes, which I think is uh, you know good for him. Still trying trying to get over the ankle injury of the of the starters. That was the least minutes that anybody played. So I think that's a uh, another kind of positive sign, even if it doesn't show up on the stat sheet, uh, as being you know a great production type thing. But I think good for for him to you know play a little bit, but get some rest and uh, and have him back and healthy, uh, continuing to be healthy for that Nebraska game. All right. Well, we have to address the funniest moment of the night, and we will address that uh, here momentarily coming up on the assembly call. First, I do want to take a quick minute and tell you why you should activate your free assembly call membership. Three quick reasons. We mention them on every show. 
uh, make sure that, that you act on these reasons. Number one, it's quick and easy. Go to assemblycall.com slash join. It only takes you 15 seconds uh, to join and become a member. It's free again. Uh, it's how you get our best content because by joining, you can participate in our live chat during the game. You receive our six banner Saturday IU Hoops news roundups. Plus you get our post game analysis emails that we send the morning after every game. And it's the best way to connect with the assembly call community. So if you like what you hear on the assembly call, becoming a member is the next logical step. And again, it's free. Join us at assemblycall.com slash join. All righty. Well, you are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, breaking down Indiana's 97 to 62 victory over Austin P. Uh, so, Andy, there was a tweet that was just sent out that really made me laugh. Uh, so the funniest moment of the night was clearly in the first half when Tom Crean pulls out this sign. It's this little piece of paper. It's got like this clip art bunny and it says, don't hop on it. And I swear, like, I didn't, I don't know, like, I thought, I, I wasn't quite sure that it was really what I was seeing, that that was really what was happening. But Mike Miller of the Herald Times just tweeted regarding the don't hop sign. Crean said that he uses it to remind players to slide his feet on defense instead of jumping and hopping around. I think he did, he did it to Josh Newkirk. And look, it makes sense. I mean, I get it. It's a great idea. Don't hop. But it just, I don't know. It just seems like such an odd but strangely crean thing to do. But Josh Margulis, uh, our co-intern with Inside the Hall, uh, sent a tweet in response to that, which is Will Ferrell in the movie Elf hopping across the street in the middle of traffic. For some reason, that just <laughs> I just found that really funny. Um, but yeah, so you know, look, it's going to be the meme for Chronic Hoosier this year for all the media members taking the little white piece of paper and writing messages on it to each other. You'll see that going back and forth on Twitter. Maybe this was Tom Crean's Christmas gift to IU Media. And, you know, do you think that Crean is that clever uh, and that media savvy? Or do you think this is just an odd new coaching tactic <laughs> that he decided to bring out on some level i hope he just sees all the other like images of him and things like that and is almost kind of trolling himself at this point to come up with something like that but yeah it led to i had so many questions i'm like are there other images over there is it like a whole stack of cards yeah like were what there, else what else other images? or is it only that one but it seemed like there was more but he had it and the fact that he had it handy as opposed to just like yelling in a in a not loud assembly hall like not just being able to yell about not hopping but the visual of the of the bunny i just i have a lot of a lot of questions about what got us to the point where that exists uh about using it during the game it reminded me a little bit of like some colleges will like on in football will have these like huge signs i think i you did this at, at certain points where it's like four just random like an image of aaron andrews a hot dog a like pro bulls logo you know, a bulls logo and and insert whatever 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 other thing you want and it was like so it kind of felt a little bit like that but it's like yeah there's no like clear messages on there i don't know it was it was it was really odd but it i mean very a very green thing to do i guess as you could say and i know um mark titus on the uh the ringers college basketball podcast are uh, talking that this is uh, 27, 20, instead of 2017, it's 27 Crean. 27 um, Crean. They said in their last one. So perhaps this is just a springboard into that as we uh, as we move toward the end of the year. Into the year. I don't know. Game. But we're going to get endless enjoyment out of that over the remainder of the season. So 
We whatever are. the motivation, whatever the whether it was self-aware or not, uh, it will be the gift that keeps on giving uh, for the next few months at least. By the way, okay, I'm emailing Connor at Hoosier Proud as soon as we get off here. But if he doesn't make a Don't Hop T-shirt for this year, that should be like the new, basically the new IU basketball T-shirt for this year. Don't look. Yeah. And hey, you know, look, we're coming off a Big Ten championship season. I think things are going pretty well for the program. If Crane wants to use signs and clip art, uh, you know. I mean, maybe, you know, perhaps have a picture of a bear and have it say bear down when, you know, when the guys aren't playing defense well enough. I'm sure Will would endorse that one. Um, you know, uh, maybe a bird with, uh, you know, to fly, uh, you know, up and down the court. I don't know. There, there are many options here for other signs that the cream could have. And I desperately want to see inside of that folder and see what else is there. But I'm sure we won't uh, we won't get that opportunity. We just need the Wake Forest radio guy to somehow get a hold of this information, and then we can all have it. And yes. everybody and everybody leak wins it at that the point. entire media. Yes, exactly. Yes. Um, hey, I want to talk about Zach McRoberts real quick. I thought he played really well tonight. Uh, two things stood out to me. Number one, he scored four points, um, and I thought you know had a couple of opportunities. Well, look in the first half, I thought he had a vintage Zach McRoberts play where Juwan Morgan made a beautiful pass to McRoberts on a on a fast break. And I'd have to see the film again to see if McRoberts was so far into the basket that he couldn't even look at the basket. But I'm pretty sure he could have looked at the basket and maybe tried to get it up on the rim. And by not doing that, he kind of overpassed and Indiana ended up turning it over. And so that was an example where I think McRoberts unselfishness slash reticence to be a threat on offense hurt Indiana. Now, to his credit, in the second half, you know, he had a couple of opportunities. One, he cut right down the lane. Deron Davis found him. Uh, and look, he could have overpassed it, but he took the shot, got fouled, made the free throws. And then I think it was the very next possession, uh, you know, did did the same thing and scored. And so it was nice to see. And the other thing I've noticed about Zach McRoberts is that he sprints doing everything. And it's awesome. Like you see him when he's going when he's in the game and he's going to be the guy who takes the ball out. He sprints to get it. And he's just always sprinting. And I love seeing just that that spirit and that effort. You know, sometimes he's, you know, it's kind of an awkward sprint where you don't necessarily need to be sprinting. But I appreciate the fact that he over sprints as opposed to under sprints. Um, but more importantly, it was nice to see him uh, be a bit of an offensive threat tonight, which I think if he's going to be on the floor, he can't be over, over, over passing like he sometimes is. And we've talked about this multiple times. Yeah, I mean, I know exactly what player talking about in the first half. And I was like, that was a great pass. You got to get that up on the up on the board. Because I don't know that there was, I mean, there was somebody kind of there. But, you know, odds are you might get fouled in that in that scenario because they're recovering and, and whatever. But, yeah, I thought he, uh, you know, did a, did a better job of taking shots in the second half. Played some really nice defense. Forced a shot clock violation uh, in the second half as well. And, um, you know, I think you know, you kind of, we joke about the sprinting thing, but I, I think it's something that you really want to see out of anybody that comes off the bench. Like, you know, you've only got so much time uh, that you can impact the game. So why not just go all out in everything you're doing during, during that time on the court? And I think um, there's probably a, a little bit of, you know, he went and played and, and Vermont is a, is a quality division one program, always one of the better teams in their league. Um, but he may have a, a different appreciation of the opportunity that he's getting right now. And I think, uh, you know, one of those kinds of things where, you know, Crean talks about, you know, he needs to feel like he belongs here and, and all that. And I think he kind of, uh, you know, some of those effort plays and things like that, he kind of may play like he doesn't belong, like he's still trying to earn that spot. And I think that's a good, you know, mindset for him to have. And hopefully something he can impart on uh, some of the other guys who haven't been at other programs and, and, you know, may not fully appreciate the opportunity that they have right now. So I, I think he's uh, really been a bright spot for, for IU overall, um, whether he, you know, ever comes out in a game and, and scores 10 points or not is is probably unlikely. But, uh, 
you know, I think there'll be games when he makes contributions that are the difference between winning and losing. Hey, look, we saw Ryan Burton. We saw Harrison Nego in games. It wasn't game in, game out, but, you know, we talked about, you know, Ryan Burton in the Rutgers game. And we saw Harrison Nego, you know, have some sequences where he came in and played good defense last year. And that's the kind of thing that McRoberts can do. Because you make a great point about the sprinting. You know, I, I kind of joked about it, but I mean, it is it's very admirable and it is what a bench guy should, should do. And there are going to be games. And look, this game started out with Indiana a little bit sluggish and they got it turned around. But McRoberts is a guy that Crean can go to and he knows what he's going to get from him from an effort standpoint. You know, you don't always know with other guys, you know, they may be skilled, but you don't quite know, you know, how ready are they to play? The one thing Zach McRoberts is always ready to do is go out there and hustle and just really bust his butt. And sometimes just having a guy do that can raise everybody else's level. Um, and I think that's a, that's a valuable asset. And I don't think we'll see it a ton in Big Ten play. But I I mean, I, I think we've seen enough basketball in the Tom Crean era and we can start naming the names going back. You know, uh, Jeff Howard. Remember that one game he had against Northwestern where he came in and, and did it. We've always seen a guy like this in at least two or three Big Ten games come in play an important role in turning a bad game around and helping Indiana be competitive in that game. And I have a feeling we'll see that from McRoberts a couple times this year, too. Well, and I think, you know, one thing as somebody who, you know, charts lineups and stuff like that with Crean, I mean, he'll some of it is it's not throwing darts, but he'll throw some of these guys out there for a couple minutes. And if some and if good things happen, then they'll get to play more. And if they don't, then it's like, well, that's two minutes that, you know, I didn't get somebody else an opportunity, but um, yeah, so we'll absolutely see that in Big Ten games. I think we've seen that in the, the games you talked about, you know, the the Ryan Burton and and all that. It's like, well, let's throw him out there, see what he does. If he makes good things happen, then then great. It's kind of you know playing with house money at that point. And if it if it doesn't, no harm, no foul. Take him out a couple minutes later, and he may not get back in. And and so you know, I, I, you know, Nigo is a good example of you know what he came out of that Iowa game last year, just made a couple plays and you know gave him you know three four big minutes, played as hard as he could for that time, and and got back to the bench. So. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll definitely see that. I think he's he's shown too many um, positive things to you know to think that we won't. Uh, as you said, you know, not going to be there game in game out in the in the biggest of games, but uh, he, he's going to make a difference somewhere along the way. Uh, let's see. According to Jeff Rabjohn's Tom Crean on the "Don't Hop" sign, that was a new wave way of trying to get my point across. You're going to remember that, right? You know, this may be Crean being more brilliant than all the rest of us. I mean, it's true. Everybody's remembering it. Everybody's talking about it. And you'd have to think, you know, I don't know if maybe the players have seen that in practice or if not, you would certainly think seeing that would make it sink in because that's definitely a memorable way to get your point across. So, hey, you know, uh, whatever works, whatever works. Um, okay, the last important topic from this game that we need to talk about, Andy, before we get your uh kind of analysis of IU Nebraska are the other freshman guards, Devontae Green, Curtis Jones. I thought it was a pretty nice showing for Devontae Green outside of, look, Devontae Green has got to make sure that he sees the guy he is passing the ball to and recognizes what defenders might be in the pathway, especially on breakaways, because there are too many times that Indiana's had maybe a three-on-two break or a three-on-one break, and Devontae Green has just fired a pass. You know, I don't know. It's not necessarily a lazy pass, but it's just a, you know, he's not looking enough at the guy he's throwing it to, getting a little bit too comfortable, and it turns into a turnover. But, you know, he had eight points. He had five boards. He had an assist. I thought he did some nice things. That three-pointer at the end of the first half was obviously nice. Um, but Curtis Jones, I thought, really struggled to get involved tonight, and I thought took some threes too early. Uh, you know, saw some a couple guys tweet, you know, that Crean was not happy with, with a, you know, his shots. A couple of them just came too quickly. It was nice to see him make that three late to at least get on the board. Um, 
but he, he just felt out of sync tonight and not really able to get going. So, you know, look, that's I think we we've, we've learned through the non-conference play with those two guys. You know, typically one of them plays relatively well. It's pretty rare for both of them to play well in the same game. And this may just be a thing where, you know, Crean's going to have to gauge who's got it tonight, who doesn't. And that guy plays a little bit more or hopefully and, and even better. Those guys continue to mature as freshmen and become much more consistent rotation players moving forward. Because, you know, obviously they seem like, you know, kind of the eighth, ninth guys uh, on the bench right now, you know, kind of the third and fourth guys in. But they're going to have to play some important minutes at some point. And so a little more consistency from those guys would be nice to see. Um, what do you think of them? Anything stand out tonight from Devontae or Cujo? I mean, I thought I thought Devontae was really active, um, even defensively. I think that's something we've seen from him. Uh, you know, really, really good at pressuring the ball and five rebounds for, uh, you know, I think he certainly was always, you know, he's the smallest guy in IU's team that that plays regular minutes. Um, and so, you know, he seemed to be around the ball. You know, some of the passes, as you mentioned, you know, there were a couple in the first half. I think he was the first one of them where they're making kind of side-to-side passes on a fast break that really, even if you, the guy catches the ball, it's kind of to your point, like, what's he going to do with it? He didn't, you didn't really advance it. You didn't make anything happen and ended up throwing both of them away. But I thought he played played well and played under control. And I think Jones was, um, the, the first three he took was definitely a, just a hoist off of, you know, one pass where it's like, okay, well, clearly at this point in the game, I use getting the shot you just took anytime they want um, because of the way that they played. And, uh, you know, I think when you kind of, you know, contrast those guys, I think you've got, um, you know, green to me is kind of more in the middle. There's not a huge different difference between the floor and the ceiling of what he might do at any point when he's on the floor. And I think Jones is more the, he could be really erratic and, and have some, you know, huge struggles and not really contribute a whole lot, as you'd probably say, he did tonight, and then there's other games like Kansas when he gets a roll and then he just kind of goes nuts. So I think you've got a, a pretty high variance there between, you know, I think he at his best is is a decent amount better than Devontae Green, um, but at his worst is a decent amount worse. And so it'll be interesting to see, you know, if, if that, you know, kind of range between, again, going back to do we know what we can expect from these guys? Um, the range of outcomes on Jones is pretty, uh, pretty wide at this point, and it'll be interesting to see if that narrows a little bit as the season goes along. Um, Because otherwise, I think you might start seeing, you know, does that mean you see a little bit more of Devontae Green, who uh, may end up being a little bit steadier uh, as you go? But, you know, hard to hard to gauge too much. But, yeah, it was, uh, you know, compared to, you know, the last game when I think, you know, they both played relatively well. um, You know, Jones kind of took a little bit of a a step back in a game that, you know, as we talk about these games, one of the big things you're trying to get out of them is get good minutes for these guys. And while they did play a lot, um, I I think, you know, certainly left some things out there that could have been better. Uh, so a tweet from uh, from Stu Jackson, Crean on sophomore Juwan Morgan. Uh, he definitely hurt his ankle tonight. Uh, we'll get an update later tonight. I saw uh, Alex Bozich tweet, you know, that basically that it wasn't precautionary that he didn't come back in. He definitely hurt his ankle. So maybe not quite as rosy of a picture as we painted earlier. Um, so we'll have to wait and just see uh, what that ankle injury is. Again, we don't have Dr. Ryan here to diagnose it for us right off the bat. Uh, so we'll wait and see. And hopefully it's not too bad. Um, and well, you know, because I, I, you would think that Indiana could probably beat Nebraska without him. Uh, but certainly when you have Louisville coming up after that, you need to be at full strength. And Juwan Morgan, one of the best players on this team. So let's hold that thought, because uh, Andy, when we come back, uh, I want you to give us your quick preview of IU Nebraska before we close up for the night. Um, and we'll see what you think about that. If Morgan doesn't play, if that's uh, how much that kind of changes things for that IU Nebraska game. Uh, real quick, before we do that, one more quick reminder that a great way to support the Assembly Call is by ordering your official Assembly Call t-shirt from HoosierProud.com. 
Go to HoosierProud.com and check out their selection of unique, stylish apparel that anyone with Indiana roots will love. Uh, you can even get your Assembly Call t-shirt there. Uh, we moved production of our t-shirts there because we love what Hoosier Proud is doing. So use the promo code assembly. You'll get 15% off. That works for our logo t-shirts as well as anything else you buy. Again, the URL is HoosierProud.com. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, and we are wrapping things up here discussing Indiana's 97-62 to victory over Austin P. And now we turn our attention forward. Big Ten play starts next Wednesday, December 28th, against the Nebraska Cornhuskers, a team that recently lost to Gardner-Webb. So they are not coming in uh, exactly riding a wave of positive momentum um, Andy, you know, let's get your kind of quick one, two minute preview of Nebraska. And most importantly, you know, if Juwan, if that's a game Juwan Morgan has to miss, uh, how big of a deal is that considering the matchup? Yeah, they started out really well and, uh, we're four and beat Dayton in, uh, in a non-conference tournament in the, in the preseason and, uh, seemed to be, you know, playing a little bit better than everybody expected. They lost Andrew White to a transfer, uh, late in the, in the off season. So, you know, a lot of scrambling to a certain extent with both he and Siobhan Shields uh, gone at this point. So it got off that 4-0 start, and they've been 2-6 since then. Uh, the only wins over South Dakota, and then they beat Southern this past week, but only by five. Um, and that was on the heels of that Gardner-Webb loss. Uh, most of the other losses were, um, you know, to, to major conference teams. So uh, if you look at the competition, nothing too worrisome until you get to that Gardner-Webb game and then, you know, not playing very well against Southern. Uh, if you look at them from a numbers perspective, really struggled to shoot the ball, particularly from three, but uh, effective field goal percentages outside the the top 300 in the country. So uh, a big concern there. Do fairly well on the offensive glass, so that'll be something to watch. Uh, defensively, I think they're similar to what we see from you know a lot of Tim Miles teams where they're, they're pretty solid uh, on the defensive end of the floor. Don't do any one thing particularly well if you look statistically, um, but are, are kind of solid in a number of areas. So they're definitely going to want to try to, you know, hopefully slow this down, uh, you know, make it a little bit more of a grind. They're very guard heavy from a scoring standpoint. Uh, got three guys scoring in double figures, but only five guys scoring over four points a game. So Ty Webster, Glenn Watson, uh, the guys to really uh, focus on there from a, a scoring perspective, average almost 30 a game between the two of them. So uh, I use, you know, perimeter defense will definitely be important in trying to slow those guys down. Uh, as far as Morgan goes, um, you know, they don't have, uh, a ton of inside threats. Um, Ed Morrow uh, leads him in rebounding and has not taken any three pointers. So, but he's only about six seven. Um, so, I think to the extent that OG is, is healthy and playing well, uh, you'll see him a lot. You might be able to see McRoberts on uh, on some guys there because there's not a ton of size. Uh, one of the bigger players that they play, uh, Tim McVeigh, uh, is a is has taken fifty three of his seventy three shots from three point range. So. Uh, even though he's six eight, plays a little bit more on the perimeter, and and you can kind of keep him out there. He went uh, off against so, Indiana last year, didn't he? Didn't he? The yeah, guy? he or Jack McVeigh. Sorry. Yeah, McVay. um, he, he uh, yeah, he he played well against IU in that. I mean, when he gets going, he can shoot it okay, but he's only shooting 28 percent uh, from three now. But I think if you you know you make shots and pulls people away, but yeah, he had a good stretch against IU. I think for for a little while in that game, and then uh, you know came back down to earth a little bit there. But they, you know, a lot of their offense is really you know Webster and Watson. Uh, are, are the guys who are going to, you know, give, you know, give IU the most trouble. So interesting to see, uh, you know, which of those guys that, you know, Newkirk may match up with early and Robert Johnson and you know, they can slow those guys down. They're going to be in pretty good shape. Um, so uh, definitely a game IU should win. Uh, relatively easy one to start the conference. If you look at where Nebraska is expected to fall in the pecking order uh, now, uh, particularly in, in light of the way that they've played uh, more recently. 
All righty. Well, any final thoughts, Andy, before we, uh, before we wrap up and get ready for Christmas? No, I mean, we did it, everybody. We made it through the, the cupcake games. We made it through having to watch games uh, online that are, you know, a minute to two minutes behind what's going on in the actual game. Um, you know, survive uh, tonight where it appeared the announcers, I believe, weren't actually at the game. So um, <laughs> kudos to kudos to everybody for uh, soldiering through us with this where we try to find stuff to talk about in 30-point blowout after 30-point blowout. So uh, we've done it, everybody. Congratulations. It's been a team effort, and we're... Uh, we're ready for more competitive games. Obviously, the Louisville game is still a non-conference game to play, but I think uh, most, if not all, games from here on out should be uh, pretty competitive and, and definitely meaningful from a Big Ten perspective. So uh, it, has, it has not always been easy, and even those who write about the games, uh, as I think about Alex trying to write five takeaways from some of these, I'm like, I don't really know what five things you might take away from some of these games, but uh, we've, all, we've all gotten through this together, and uh, I'm ready to, to move on to the holidays and to the, uh, into the Big Ten season. Yes, finally. I mean, look, this this non-conference schedule is going to, you know, kind of hang around our, our necks like an albatross a little bit. I mean, it's certainly not going to do Indiana any favors come March. Um, but at least on the bright side, you know, Indiana got those two big wins over Kansas and North Carolina, which kind of helps to counterbalance it. Uh, but it is nice looking at the rest of the schedule and seeing only one team left on the schedule with triple digits next to their name in Ken Palm since Nebraska is sitting at 99th. Uh, but Rutgers, that January 15th game, they're sitting at 113th. But otherwise, we get some Rutgers big only has one loss. I mean, clearly I they're really good. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> but have, have they played Has their schedule been better or worse than Indiana's? Uh, their I mean, schedule has, they, haven't, well, they haven't played the top level teams. But. It, yeah, they haven't played the top. Level. Uh, no, it's been pretty bad. I mean, as I look down there now, the best team they've beaten from a Pomeroy perspective is DePaul, no who's ranked 186th. Um, everybody else outside the top 200, they've got one. Maybe not as many sub three hundred teams, but yeah, they haven't played. Uh, they really haven't played anybody. They play Seton Hall tomorrow night. Probably going to lose that one, but uh, yeah, they have. Their schedule has been maybe not as. There's have been no high points other than you know playing Miami as part of the Big Ten ACC, which they lost by double digits. But uh, yeah, so Rutgers though go. number one offensive rebounding percentage in the country apparently right now. So you know, hey. something to think about. Their coach is a lot better than than who they had before. So I think they he will be able to have some success there, but I think the uh, gaudy 11-1 and record is not indicative of their actual level of play. No, but it is indicative of, I think, Indiana fans' general dissatisfaction with our own non-conference schedule that we're sitting here comparing it to Rutgers. Um, so let that be... That's fair. <laughs> let, that, let that be the lasting impression of this non-conference schedule, uh, and then let's never discuss it again for the rest of the season. Deal? Deal. All right, good. Um, look... A solid, uh, a solid first 12 games for Indiana. I think most of us, if you had said before the season, uh, would you take 10 and 2? I think most of us would have said yes. I think most of us would have assumed that the two losses would be to Kansas and North Carolina. Um, so it didn't maybe quite come like we all thought. Uh, but still, you know, I think Indiana is sitting in a good position. All the goals that the Hoosiers had at the beginning of the season, they're all right there. Uh, and so I think we've seen a team that has a lot of potential. <clears throat> and if they can just, you know, get you know some of those things cleaned up and be a little bit better consistently on defense in games against teams like Fort Wayne and Butler and have a little bit more of a plan B offensively when the shots aren't falling. Um, you know, everything is still there for this team. Uh, and so I'm very excited about what this team can do moving forward. Excited about Big Ten play starting. And uh, we will be here for you uh, right after that IU-Nebraska game. Obviously, it's kind of an awkward time because Indiana's bowl game starts right after that. Uh, so we may do a little bit of a shorter post-game show so that everybody can pop in, get some analysis about IU-Nebraska, 
and then uh, and then pop out and we can all watch the bowl game. But that game is Wednesday. I believe it's a 5.30 Central start, 6.30 Eastern time start for that one uh, on the Big Ten Network. And then the Indiana Bowl game follows up uh, follows up that game. Yeah, they actually bumped the start time of that up from seven to six thirty, so that it would kind of end right before the uh, right before the bowl game. And I think they said even in Assembly Hall, they're having like a, a watch party for the football game after uh, after the basketball game. So they could have bumped it up game. an hour and another yeah. hour, so that it would coincide. Well, yeah, so it didn't like directly tie into it. Yes, that that could yeah it certainly could have done better, but at least some that's, some accommodations were made. That's something. That is something. All right. Well, hey. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. Have a merry, merry Christmas uh, with your families. And we will talk to you all after IU Nebraska on the 28th. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. Go Hoosiers. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Rocket Pro Insight makes it easy for real estate agents to help clients strengthen their offers with a verified approval, giving you the power to adjust the approval letter amount. Sign up today at rocketpro.com slash real estate. Offer terms and details. Equal housing lender. License 56. NLS number 33. Verified approval only valid on certain 30-year purchase transactions.